0: Welcome to the VR Side Chats podcast. In this week's episode, I chat with 360 VR creator Alex Ruhl about her first 4A&T industry and her film Key Alike, which is currently available to watch on Jaunt. Enjoy. Alex, thank Hello. you for coming. You Thank are so you, uh, welcome. Really Thank you for coming. You I'm not this.
1: actually there. I'm not. No, that's I mean, it,
0: uh, as soon as I said it, I thought that doesn't sound right.
1: But <laughs> this it's, is, in know. fact, a podcast, Daniel. <laughs> but, it, but, it,
0: but it felt natural. It did. So I'm going to stick with it.
1: I feel like maybe maybe I've got one of those voices that just like, you know, presents as if I am in the room with you.
0: That's what it is. That's
1: what it is. That's
2: what I'm, I'm going to go with.
0: <laughs> But yeah, no. Thank you, thank you for taking the time out to do this. Honestly, I really, uh, really appreciate it.
1: Well, I'm just excited to busy, busy lady. Well, I have that reputation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what I. That's what I found in my research. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, so like, can you sort of tell us a bit about your background and how you got into VR?
1: Sure. Let's see if it lines up with your thorough (laughs) stalking, (laughs) my thorough internet stalking. Um, (laughs) So. Well, so my background is actually in in kind of mainstream TV. So I went to uni and did TV production, which was a colossal mistake. Um, (laughs) Just because it turns out that if you want a career in the media, the last thing you should do is go Mm -hmm. to uni and study media. Who knew? Um, So, but off the back of that, I, I kind of, uh, got accepted onto uh, a talent scheme uh, for the International Television Festival which led to me um, winning a development kind of internship with ITV Studios oh, awesome. so that kind of kick-started my career in TV and then for the next kind of I think it must be about four or five years I was working in and out of development jobs so for those who don't like know uh, kind of how, I guess, the departments work in TV. You've kind of got your production, obviously, out on set filming the stuff, post-production, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then development is kind of, it's the it's the people that are coming up with the ideas and getting to pitch them all day, every day, and try and find money to actually make the thing. So, mm. you know, for me, it was a dream job because it's essentially you're getting paid to kind of think up ideas. Mm. Um, but after about four or five years of kind of bouncing between different kind of uh, studios and different production companies, um, I realized that 99% projection really does hit your ego hard <laughs> because that is the reality of working in tv and especially now with the landscape as it is moving more towards digital you know um mainstream tv is is kind of uh, suffering a little bit so um and, and not only that but I found that you know even the ideas that I would kind of pitch that would get through uh, and would go to pilot or to kind of season um as soon as uh, we'd landed them it would then get kind of taken off my plate and put onto the production uh, you know production Mm. team's plate so I would come up with the idea and kind of sell it in what with the development team and then someone else would get to go and make it and I was kind of having one of those moments of like you know is this really what I you know went into this industry for like to be this kind of tiny cog in this huge machine I felt and I felt that you know it was kind of although I progressed quite quickly i was a kind of a producer by the time i kind of ended my career um in tv that sounded really drastic <laughs> on end my career um but by the end of it i was kind of like i'm not actually making stuff and that's what i really love yeah. is kind of coming up with an idea and then seeing it through and i hadn't been able to do that so so i kind of uh, the last contract that i took was out in vancouver in canada and um and so whilst i was out there kind of i was doing like this kind of final contract of development pitching and stuff. Um, I... I decided to start writing and I thought you know I'm gonna basically quit tv and I'm gonna just go freelance and just you know the classic indie (laughs) indie Mm. filmmaker dream I'm gonna make a bit of cash and then I'm gonna make something (laughs) that I actually really want to do um so yeah so so when I came back to the UK I basically uh freelanced as a producer for agencies production companies so I would come in as a kind of producer for like branded content or commercial shoots yeah. Um, so did a lot of like branded work, um, and and funnily enough, whilst I was doing that, I was kind of like writing on the side. But funnily enough, one of the kind of um, jobs that came through was from um, a UK supermarket um, who wanted to do something in three hundred and sixty and VR. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. I've you know, I'd never <laughs> heard of virtual reality at the time.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but it seemed like a, a really interesting opportunity because as soon as I looked into it and you know I always joke about the most terrifying thing as a millennial is to type into Google like a question and to have no search results come up <laughs> <laughs> like yeah you know like what the hell you know I'm gonna have to I thought that never terrified me until now <laughs> It's daunting, (laughs) let me tell you, especially when you've got a client kind of like, and you're saying, yeah, yeah, I'm sure we could do that. And you're like desperately looking um, for anyone that kind of uh, was doing it. And at the time, this was kind of early 2016. um, At the time, the industry was really small and there was hardly any information out there um, about how to approach this there was two youtubers at the time and that was kevin coons and um alex pierce and both of them had the kodak rig the kind of little back-to-back mm-hmm. kind of consumer yeah. rig and so i was like well i guess we'll just use that then and we'll just wing it so we ended up filming um this this piece um and it was shit <laughs> i hope i'm allowed to swear on this podcast no, go for it, go for it. <laughs> it was horrific because as most people find when they come into 360 when you treat a 360 camera like a traditional camera Mm -hmm. it just doesn't work you know Mm -hmm. things like having to kind of have uh you know someone cross a stitch line like you'd never think of that you'd yeah. never you know you'd never think about having kind of oh are these cows going to get a bit too close to this camera for you know <laughs> for us to stitch it didn't you know didn't really kind of like occur to us you know let's shove it on a tractor and like let's not worry about how jittery and you know motion it's gonna make yeah, yeah. all of those things and so even though, you know, the kind of the piece itself wasn't great. It was absolutely an experiment. Um, and I don't believe I ever saw the a day. <laughs> um, <laughs> what that kind of did for me was kind of light a fire under my ass and go, wow, you know, this is amazing. You know, like, How rare is it to kind of be in a position where no one really knows what they're doing? You know, everyone's mm. kind of on the same level playing. You know, this time, I think... Yeah. Um, I think Oculus had just released DK2 or maybe, you know, the first kind of, you know, the the Rift. Um, I'm not sure what state the industry was, but I know that from a creative point of view, there wasn't really a fat lot going on. And so Mm. I was like, this is, you know, this is something I definitely want to be a part of. So I bought myself the Kodak rig and taught myself everything, basically. I taught myself how to stitch. Um, I was already You know, kind of uh, had a background with like self-shooting and editing and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So I kind of already had those skills. But, you know, just learning like the whole 360 workflow, learning about, you know, how to use the kind of the six camera GoPro rigs um, and the stitching software that comes along with that. Just taught myself everything. And just kind of from there... uh, kept kind of getting hired to produce these kind of things, mainly for kind of internal uh, comms companies and kind of agencies again. Mm-hmm. Um, But eventually kind of built up a little bit of a, I guess a little bit of a reputation for being someone that had a vague idea of what I was doing, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is hilarious still to this day to me. Um, but, but
0: that just goes to show like how early sort of days it is and stuff. It's just like if, if someone has a vague knowledge of it bring him in
1: (laughs) absolutely absolutely. just get away with being
0: as vague as possible
1: well that's it isn't it because (laughs) and it's in and it's so interesting because even to this day so i've been doing it you know for you know just just over two years now but Mm. um even to this day i'll have a conversation with someone thinking you know oh it's really you know, it's really quite simple, but I, I don't have the answers. And yet it's so weird how you can like spout off so much information and the mm. look in someone's face that has never heard anything to do with 360 before and they're just mm. like their jaw hits the floor <laughs> because it is actually it's quite you know it's, it's weird how you don't realize how far down the rabbit hole you are so now yeah. i think in terms of kind of vr and 360 um, and so when i talk to kind of like traditional dps and filmmakers it kind of boggles their mind a little bit mm. about the kind of the just the, the things that you have to kind of consider when you're on set that kind of thing but anyway off the back of that because obviously the whole point of me quitting Uh, the TV uh, industry was to kind of create my own stuff. So at the Mm -hmm. time I was writing um, and I was putting feelers out to um, casting directors and DPs and stuff to kind of basically get a short off the ground. Um, And it was something that it was an idea that I'd pitched and it was kind of doing the circle in – kind of doing the rounds in the TV and in Canada because I pitched it as like a TV series because I thought maybe I don't want to be like you know behind the scenes maybe I want to be like writing maybe I want to be kind of you know really spearheading um you know what's going on in front of the camera maybe directing that kind of thing Mm. so um so I was kind of putting feelers out ended up connecting um through a friend with casting director called Coralie Rose um I don't know why I said that really weird Coralie Rose (laughs) (laughs) um but she is this incredible uh commercial um casting director she does huge campaigns for like h&m and apple i think and smirnoff you know she does she just really big kind of mm. commercial projects and she- uh, I sent her the script and was just kind of like, I don't know whether this is something you're interested in, but she had, um, she's got a real focus with her business on diverse casting, and that's something I'm really passionate about. Just yeah. in general, it's just diversity in the industry, and especially, um, you know, especially going forward in the 360, in the VR industry, something so new, you know, really yeah. important to make sure that it, you know everyone it has a voice. Yeah, like absolutely. early, um, so yeah, got talking to her. She was like, you know weirdly I met this you know director last night who said she might be looking for projects I'll shoot her the script see if it's a good fit anyway that led me to connecting with Chloe Thomas who is a BAFTA nominated TV director Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know she loved the script and we were chatting and because I had you know no money at that point my plan Mm -hmm. was to basically you know fund whatever it was the passion project with whatever money I was making from my kind of commercial gigs Um, and so she was like well you know let's let's See how we get on and make sure because if you know if we're going to do this in collaboration on the basis of like no one's really getting paid then we should absolutely make sure that we get on you know all right <laughs> so so we ended up chatting and we were just chatting in general and she was asking me what I was up to because obviously I'd said oh you know yeah because she she does like main you know kind of quite big broadcast TV yeah, shows yeah. she was she did the original uh, series of Horrible Histories which yeah yeah I saw that Love. which is
0: yeah it's crazy. Oh.
1: Many a student day is spent, you know, hungover watching horrible history. <laughs> so I was, I was sold from that moment. But um, yeah, so she, uh, so I was telling her a bit about the three hundred and sixty and the VR stuff. And at the time, obviously, I was, I was kind of doing a few um, three hundred and sixty gigs and kind of getting really quite into the industry. And she mm. was like, "Well, that's really interesting because that sounds like a really bizarre challenge for a director, you mm. know? Like, because essentially." essentially the camera you know there's no framing like how can you direct the the kind of the framing how how do you direct the actors well you know and she was kind of thinking out loud about well maybe it's more like theater because obviously it's kind of your choreographing movement rather than Mm. moving the camera to the actors um but she was like i think we should do this project in VR so weirdly I guess I kind of owe my career to her from there because <laughs> from there obviously it just kind of snowballed like getting her attached mm-hmm. um you know and her name um and and Coralie obviously you know two really big kind of punchers in their own kind yeah, of yeah. field um it just kind of lifted the project off the ground and it just spiraled honestly Dan I was the I was the most surprised out of anyone because here I was just, you know, rambling away like, oh, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll do the Mark Duplass thing and, like, you know, (laughs) find a load of mates and just make, like, shitty five five dollar movies or you know that kind hey, of there thing there
0: was nothing shit about those five dollar movies <laughs> yes,
1: exactly exactly <laughs> so um i know that's it it's like oh it's like but you you were clearly just extremely talented like you know you could make a pile of turd look good mark duplass like <laughs> 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 we're not all that blessed but uh, but anyway we worked with what we've got so so yeah so i ended up um you know ended up basically pulling together what would become key like which mm. is the 360 drama that we shot. So ended up getting kind of uh, Timpsons and a few other kind of uh, nothing but padlocks, like some kind of Mm -hmm. bigger companies to help like bring together stuff like props and things because we had the stupid idea of recreating a love lock fence in Mm. London, which uh, I would not advise because we ended up on set me and my kind of crew, which was like just basically my absolute closest friends that would put up with me uh, up at (laughs) 5am, you know, like set cool time for the actors was, uh, I think seven. And we had literally like two hours of just like attaching all of Mm. these locks to Greenwich Peninsula. I was going to say,
0: when I was watching it, I was like, I recognize this place. So I lived around the corner from there.
1: Oh, no
2: way!
0: Yeah, you know, a few Could years back. So, yeah, so, like, when it was nice and stuff, I used to go for, like, a walk along that. So, as soon as I was, yeah, as soon as I was watching, I was like, hang on a minute, oh. Take me back.
1: Oh, but I was going to like... ask about
0: the locks as well, <laughs> I, like, I don't remember them the being there.
1: <laughs> well, funny story about that, and I know we're jumping around a little bit here, but yeah, okay. um funny story about that was, basically, it took, like, three weekends before the shoot to, like, pull together these locks, because we mm. in- individually painted and kind of like wrote names on them and like make, made them look authentic. Now, yeah. of course the joke is on us because in the film we ended up kind of, you know, um, playing around with distance with the camera and we actually mm. felt in the end that you were a bit if if the camera was any closer you were a bit too close you felt like you weren't you were kind of invading their personal space and yeah. you know so so it was kind of like a choice to have the camera a little bit further away which obviously means especially with the quality of cameras that we have right now and when we filmed it back in mm. late 2016 you can't actually see the lock so we yeah. spent three weekends <laughs> you know like like really kind of coming up with like names for couples and you know like doing all this stuff um but one thing i said on set that morning and and don't be wrong it was the most stressful day of my life that day but um i said just make sure that you don't actually uh, because we numbered them all and we had the keys for all of them i was like make Mm. sure you don't lose the numbers (laughs) make sure and make sure that you don't because what we actually did was attach like washing clothes lines again this very indie like that Mm. there's going to be a running theme throughout this which
2: is (laughs) very
1: indie film hustle um so uh it was like washing clothes lines that we basically attached like cable tied to the gate that was already there Mm. Um, and so i said just be careful not to actually put a lock over the actual gate just in case Mm. we can't get it off so of course it comes to the end of the day like wow you know what a whirlwind like it's been the most insane like 18 hour shoot like mm. really kind of tough like loads of things oh, coming wow, up that is a long day it, well I mean that might have been an exaggeration to be fair <laughs> <laughs> it <was>
0: actually eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: well you know we were on set from five I dare say we didn't get off set until about nine o'clock at night so it, it, I don't uh, know yeah, what that math
0: that's a was, fair old day though
1: it, it was effort it was good effort um but you know basically as we were walking away um one of my friends said we didn't want to tell you whilst you were in the thick of it because it was very clear that you were kind of like <laughs> under a lot of pressure but we've lost one of the keys and we've accidentally like locked two of the locks to the actual gate and we've tried <laughs> to like you know kind of wire cut them off but we can't so and i was like you know what just leave them and mm. Ever since I've been dying to go back to see if that has accidentally kicked off a real Lovelock gate. You know, because people might, they would just assume that they were real and maybe just start yeah, yeah. to act. So now I'm really intrigued because I haven't been back since. Um, I, yeah. I
0: am tempted to go up there now. Please just do, have a look.
1: Please do. It would, would that be so beautiful and ironic as well? Because that would be. So walk along and be like oh, oh look a love lock and it's not realizing that it was absolutely fake which yeah. kind of, you know is interesting because it kind of plays into the idea of the film which is this idea of mm-hmm. you know these different uh love locks representing different love stories untold mm-hmm. stories like how many of these stories are actually you know are are these people still together? Are they mm. not? You know, like all that kind of stuff. So I, I felt like it was the kind of beautifully ironic way to finish the shoot. So I was I was like, you know what, guys? Good job.
2: <laughs>
1: we'll tell Timpsons they're not getting back that, you know, that, that one really solid lock. Because those locks yeah. are expensive, man. They're like 10 to 15 pound per lock. So wow. I was a little bit uh, disturbed by that. But yeah. anyway, uh, but yeah, so so that kind of, that basically you know that those I think it was about three months that it took us to kind of uh, get to the place to film Kida like uh, from kind of me meeting Chloe and Coralie and going right the way through to, to the actual production day. And obviously in between then getting Gemma Whelan on board, which was just as a Game of Thrones fan, yeah. amazing, huge. <laughs> huge. Um, and Natasha, who's gone on to be, you know, she's like a face of NBC now. so she, yeah. So just really, and just like a really brilliant kind of like pulling together. And it was mm. so done in that spirit of, we're all just here to kind of experiment with this new thing. Yeah, we have yeah. no idea whether this is going to work. Like we, we, at the time, there wasn't really much drama being done. So, mm. um, so yeah, so it was a bit of a risk uh, for everyone really involved. Yeah. But I think it kind of worked out. So from oh, there. So do I. I,
0: yeah. I probably enjoyed it.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. I but
0: appreciate that. Going, going, back to the, going back to the casting. So yeah. I, I assume that was down to Coralie.
1: A little bit of both, yeah. yeah, so so we had like a proper casting process where mm-hmm. um you know, we had I think we had a whole day of casting, and just had people come in and read um and mm. and that's where we met natasha, and then we actually had um we actually had another actress, I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to say her name, but she was she, someone that's been on the in she was attached oh, okay. to play coley originally the the kind of, yeah, yeah. and it <laughs> it it wasn't until literally, literally the week before. I thought, well, was it the week before or was it like days before? I basically, it was very stressful because Chloe had worked with Gemma before on yeah. um, Hetty Feather, which was a CBBC drop. Yeah, yeah. Um And so that's how she knew her. And she was like, you know what? Let, I'm just going to text her and just see, like, just send her, the, her agent the script, just see if mm. she's interested. Probably not, because we've got no money and, you know, we're doing this on a whim and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And, yeah, to our surprise, literally days, I think, before the shoot, she said, Yeah, I'm up for it. I'll do it. Which obviously then made it super Because at the time, I think we were going back and forth on the location as well. So we hadn't mm. actually confirmed, like, because turns out it's really fucking ex- oh sorry uh it. so it's, um, <laughs> no fill, you,
0: fill your boats let out okay. any pent-up aggression that you have <laughs> <It's> like,
1: <Follows. laughs> um you know to, uh, oh, i've lost the trail of thought there uh, yeah so so um but the time we hadn't con- confirmed locations because it yeah. turns out it's really bloody expensive to shoot in london even if you've got no budget you know mm. they've horrific Mm. license fees like even students have to pay to kind of film in London and there's all these kind of rules and regulations around it so at the time I remember thinking this isn't going to happen you know you know we've come this far but you know this just isn't I can't see as being able to pull this off before Christmas like Mm. I'm just gonna have to kind of you know just accept that but you know funnily enough um Gemma gets signed on and then it was a case of well, shit, like, she had this one day that she could do it because she was flying out to film the latest seasons of Game of Thrones on, like, the Mm -hmm. Monday. So I think we filmed it, like, two days before she was due to fly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was like, well, shit, like, it's got to happen now then. Like, we've just got to make this happen. And Mm -hmm. so through some small miracle um, and and Chloe and Coralie kind of, you know, pulling together as kind of co-producers and kind of just making it happen, just pulling every favor that we possibly could and uh you know ended up making it happen which you know is just amazing still to this day I'm like it was easily the most stressful thing in life but like with anything in life I feel like those are the things that you look back and go holy crap like it's amazing how Mm. resilient you can be and how resourceful you can be in your need um in your time of need to make this film work
0: (laughs) so yeah imagine like having people like you're working with that that caliber's kind of added to the the stress a bit as well.
1: Oh God, the the kind especially of... when
0: you got like a Game of Thrones cast member. Yeah, and that you're like, all oh, right. Well, but let me
1: tell you, I <laughs> up my production insurance because all of a sudden, <laughs> if, if anything happened on set, well, Game of Thrones is going to be suing me. <laughs> so obviously, it was going through my production company. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah, so we had to, I had to up the level of coverage Um, and it was really funny because I, I, well, I was a little, I was a little bit terrified, obviously, because I'm, you know, I've not really in, uh, in my TV days, I was working with kind of celebs and stuff, but obviously I wasn't on set working with them. I was just kind of like, I'd meet them in the office, we'd pitch them ideas, you know, you'd do the kind of. Mm um that that bit the kind of general chit chat bit but you wouldn't have to then execute on something whereas this obviously so much was riding on it and you know there were practical things that weren't the best on the day so yeah and it was a freezing december day so things like you know the kind of the um there's a little place called, I think it's closed down, but it's called Pharmopolis. It was this little cafe that was on the peninsula. You can see it in the background yeah. in the film. And that was our base. That's where all of the crew were. That's where it was warm. But yeah. we didn't realise yeah. how far away it was. So it was a good kind of, you know, five, ten minute walk, really, to yeah. to get to, to get there. So, you know, so conscious of the fact that I've got these two amazing actresses out in the freezing cold, Mm. you know, and with huge duffel coats on in between takes. And obviously it's a one-shot take, you know, it's seven minutes. So it's not as if it's kind of like, oh, okay, we'll set up and then, you know, you can kind of go and keep warm for this. But it was literally like, you know, huge chunks of time at a time, uh, huge chunks of takes at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, and, and just in general, you know, shooting 360, obviously, I'm a huge believer in the whole kind of you know the the camera rig quality is is not for for what we were doing it for mm-hmm. it wasn't and for the budget we weren't gonna have you know four back to back Ari Alexa's with huge yeah, yeah. shylenders This was, you know, gonna be shot on GoPros, modified mm-hmm. GoPros. So we used the uh, the iZuga um Z four x i think uh which is like you know four back-to-back gopros with modified lenses so that you're capturing i think 220 degrees on each lens to give yeah. you loads of flexibility in post um and i was like this game of thrones actress is standing here shivering and we're shooting this film on bloody gopros <laughs> 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 like but the funny thing about it was we had a behind the scenes um cameraman Craig and yeah. he was running around with like a red weapon. So, you know, oh, wow. the the irony that the yeah, behind the yeah. scenes camera is a red cinema camera <laughs> and we're shooting the actual thing on GoPros is just, you know, just brilliant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how many how many takes did it did it take to sort of get it all in all in?
1: So um I'm trying to think, including rehearsal, cause, because we had such, such a limited time with Gemma, um, mm. they we didn't actually rehearse it until the actual day. So mm. we spent the morning rehearsing it um, without camera um, and then, you know, kind of getting the cues right. And, and also the comms machine broke. So obviously it's a seven minute take and there's lots of things happening. There's extras mm. walking behind you. There's a couple that walk up, you know, yeah. kind of people it's like quite choreographed movement there's a cycle yeah because so. yeah
0: that alone must have been you know quite tough to sort out as well like yeah. the timings and
1: especially when you're uh, yeah your communication system goes down so <laughs> <laughs> So we were yeah we were working near a near a building site so that interrupted oh. the comp system um, a lot which was not ideal so we had, you know ended up having to be you know all done on basically looking for visual cues and saying oh okay you know that you know that means you go that means you go so it took loads of more rehearsal time than we probably were anticipating mm-hmm. and then we must have done there must have been at least four takes. Um, as a rehearsal which we filmed on just like the gear 360 so that we could play mm-hmm. it back in headset because yeah. you know it's one thing um worth mentioning that this film was absolutely meant to be viewed in a vr headset and yeah. i'm sure yeah, yeah. there's a whole conversation that we can have about you know 360 <laughs> magic window versus headset but mm-hmm. This was something that we knew that we wanted to be, you know, we wanted the audience to have like a real sense of presence and, you know, be really engaged in the story. And I just I don't think you necessarily get that as much if you watched it uh, on a mobile. So but so for that, we wanted to obviously check it in the headset. And as you know, it's a pain in the ass to Live preview anything on on set for three sixty, so what we did was yeah, we filmed all the rehearsal takes on a gear three sixty, watched it back, made you know Chloe made the adjustments with the choreography as she kind of saw fit, um and then we went for now, I think there's nine I've got nine takes of you know full proper you know uh fully costume and makeup and everything like that, nine full takes out of those nine takes three of them one of the cameras failed so there's three takes that couldn't be used um out of those i think one of them had flubbed lines because again like you know you know these actors are amazing and they you know mm. they powered through like uh you know they kind of like improv around it but there was one take where it was kind of unrecoverable like okay let's stop and start again so it was mm. one of those takes and so i think eventually and i can't remember what happened in the others i think maybe on one of them there was a couple of people that a couple of people of the public that walked through that wouldn't give us their consent which means you know legally we just can't use them yeah, so yeah. so we ended up with three good takes so fast forward to um to kind of early 2017 and I'm you know sitting in post with you know the unsung hero of this project which is the amazing Phil Ballum who is just you know just an incredible post-production just all he you know he's, he's mainly a motion graphics artist but he can pretty much do anything he's just a whiz and he just makes everything look beautiful but you know the the look on our faces when we realized when we sat down in post that we only had three good takes that were usable was like oh crap and I remember (laughs) I remember texting Chloe that night being like um so i've got some bad news (laughs) um but you know we ended up you know we ended up with actually what i think was the best take anyway which is Hmm. you know shot that coincidentally happened to be shot at magic hour so you've got that really gorgeous kind of pinky blue sky um and you know the light i feel that those kind of you know the the timing of everything and the way that the lines are delivered they're just the most genuine and nice and i feel Hmm. like that think it's number eight i think that is take eight so it was kind of like the one before the last take Mm. Uh, a little bit of trivia for you
0: (laughs) (laughs) so what did you record the audio on
1: ah so uh, because that's
0: obviously the the one of the toughest parts
1: absolutely and that's the thing that's the thing i've really come to appreciate with anything in vr is sound is everything oh my god like you don't really realize it until you listen to an experience where the audio is bad because obviously when we first kind of were putting the stitches together uh we were just using the in-camera audio and we we filmed this like you know under a London flight path mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know you can hear the airplane you can hear the construction and, stuff, and I was like oh my god this uh, like I'm not sure this is gonna work um, but luckily we had the most amazing again I just sound like I'm like licking everyone's ass but honestly again I, I feel like as well when when you've got people working pretty much for free like just mm. because for your passion of it to be a part of it yeah, you yeah. can't just admire those people even more so luke luke uh, harris he was our sound designer so he rocked up and his um uh, with his sound assistant and um, andreas and um they basically laved all of the key people. So they loved mm. Gemma, and Natasha, the two key actors. They loved um, Alessi, our amazing busker, mm-hmm. who like comes on at the end, and, and she's actually that's you know she's singing her song live. Originally, yeah. we have that transition into the actual single version, but she she sounded so amazing live mm. that we were like, now we'll you know we'll we'll leave that. So um so yeah so she was loved up, and then. But I think that was everyone that had a lav mic on and then and then we were recording ambisonically with um, the zoom h2n just to get like the yeah. atmos and then luke just worked some magician crazy ass magic in post to you know kind of mix in we did a little bit of adr with some extras yeah. um just so that you've got these different textures so that you know there's like for example, there's a guy that walks past during the film who's, like, clearly having a bit of a breakup. So all mm. things that are on theme but kind of add to the texture of the film, which is, you know, this theme of love and different kind of stories within love and that kind of thing. So, um, But, yeah, so he mixed it, and uh, we've got – I feel like we've got a few different versions um, of it, but the one that we did for uh, Jaunt is kind of, you know – I'm not sure what the technical term is, but it's one of those ones where it's like, it kind of, you know, it fades as you move around and stuff. So yeah. it's, it's, it's all kind of, you know, it's, I'm, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to be a sound, <laughs> I don't know. but it's, it's, you know, it's absolutely true spatial audio. And yeah, from yeah. The, uh, the audiences that we've shown the piece to, because it's played in a few festivals now, and we've shown it, mm-hmm. I've shown it at a few different conferences and talks I've done. And, um, and yeah people's feedback about the sound is always it, you know they're always there's always comments about the sound and how wow. oh yeah I was you know I was uh I was I was kind of like I was, I was watching them and then all of a sudden I heard this kind of zip and I turned around and there was the busker and hmm. you know I think that's the thing that really kind of takes pieces like this to the next level
0: oh yeah absolutely I think with, without that you don't I mean it is it, it's, it's incredible really like how it sort of tricks your brain into thinking that you're there as soon as you put the headset on but then you throw in some great audio as well and then it just completely sells it you're like yeah I'm not in my living room anymore
1: Absolutely. 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 And it's so weird because I've been watching a couple of, um, uh, I'm watching like the web VR movement a bit closely at the moment because I think that's super interesting because obviously we need we need more consumers to get into it before yeah. it kind of um, takes off properly if, you know, take off in a very kind of, you know, general mm. sense of the word. A <laughs> slow meander down the runway is also fine. Um, but yeah, for it to take off, we need more people to be involved. And I've been looking into web VR and I've seen some experiences that have spatial audio but they are they're kind of they're still like magic window kind of on your phone but you mm-hmm. plug in your and, and it's weird how even without having the headset on just that sense of space and just being able to you know kind of positionally hear things mm-hmm. just completely transforms the experience like i'm i'm working um well good friends with uh uh dave who runs this dave black who runs this company called mixed immersion and they specialize in um in basically high level you know amazing amazing audio experiences and one of the first things he did when i when kind of uh went to meet him was had me stand in the middle of a circle of i think it was you know eight speakers or something um and he said close your eyes and he played this scene, and um, it was you were clearly, like, by a roadside in the middle mm. of, like, a countryside. And, you know, it was weird how your brain can, like, conjure up the images for you. You don't really even, mm. weirdly, you don't necessarily need the visuals, because the audio just paints the picture for you, and it lets your brain kind of do the kind of, um, yeah. you know, paint, I guess, just paint the picture. Blanks. Absolutely. Anyway, that was a ramble. Awesome. I don't can't remember. No, what the no. Questions.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, love love a good ramble.
1: Well, good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So, what what are you what are you currently working on at the moment? Then.
1: So, interestingly, I so I'm a big big proponent of 360 filmmaking. I think you know it's the entry level for audiences you know it's the most easily accessible um I don't you know I know way more people um who aren't anything to do with this industry who have seen or experienced a 360 video versus a full-scale VR kind of Mm -hmm. installation piece um but I have been exploring more the kind of the the real-time VR interactive type of experiences. Mm. Um, just because I think that I think that giving the whole the the, the main thing that I love about Key to Like um, is is that sense of presence and is that sense of like actually being there. And obviously, the point of that piece is that you're a kind of you know you're a voyeur, you're you're an invisible mm. kind of um, onlooker, but. How, you know, how would that feel if all of a sudden you could have a say in that story? That's Mm. quite interesting to me. Mm. And so... um... There's a few things that I'm working on at the moment. One of them is a great piece by a writer-director called Ben Fredericks, who um, lives close to me in Leicestershire, mm. and um, and this piece is called Playing God, and it's basically the way that we're kind of describing it is it's the interactive Black Mirror, um, and so yeah, I mean, already. <laughs> count that me in. Just, just sells it, doesn't it? So, <laughs> you know, um, so you know, the the pieces are about putting the audience in a position of power and giving them um choices and kind of quite difficult decisions to make so the first piece um that will be kind of it's going into production uh, in the next couple of months and then hopefully premiering at a festival later on this year uh, it's a it's kind of based on the refugee crisis but it's all around this idea of lifeboat ethics so obviously Black Mirror Mm -hmm. you know each episode kind of explores a theme you know a dystopian kind of uh, theme and so this piece is set in uh, space it's like a futuristic sci-fi take on it but um, it puts you in the centre of a humanitarian crisis so a nearby planet has exploded, refugees from that kind of space refugees if you will Mm -hmm. are kind of on their way um, to your planet and you're the captain, you have to decide who are you going to let on how are you you know how are you going to mm. decide who to save are you going to go for um you know uh the most abled are you going to go for the people that need the most assistance are you going to go for people that you think um can you know have a higher skill set so can bring mm. more to to your population you know all these kind of really interesting questions that yeah. you don't really you know whenever someone tackles a subject like um like a refugee crisis or you know other humanitarian crisis they don't te- they it tends to be from the point of view of the person suffering which it absolutely should and obviously there should be a light shone on that but i think there is a big kind of place for getting you know it's all very well at us saying oh you know like life is life you know you've got to you've just kind of got to save everyone it's very it's easy to be the liberal kind of lefty hippie that's yeah. like everyone's life is as valuable as each other's but if yeah, you yeah you were in the position of power and you know you were getting um you knew that accepting you know ten thousand people meant that you were going to lower the quality of life of your you know population or put your kind of people in danger like would that affect your decision like mm. so it's kind of flipping the role a little bit um and yeah making people think because i think uh one thing that um, Catherine Allen says, who is, she's, you know, a big voice in the VR community mm-hmm. uh, and a good friend. Uh, and she kind of works mainly on the distribution side and kind of with audiences. And, you know, she kind of, she's exploring the ecosystem for 360 and VR creators mm-hmm. um, and how you can get your work shown to audiences. And one thing that she always says is that audiences either want to, they either want to experience spectacle. So, you know, something out, something that they couldn't experience in everyday life, or they want to be intellectually challenged, you know, they want to be stimulated, they want to be like forced into kind of thinking. Um, And so this is definitely a bit of both, because you're kind of in space. But you're also forced to to kind of come to terms with some really interesting dilemmas. So that's you know that's that's the big project um, that uh, I'm working with Ben on at the moment. So we're funded by Arts awesome. Council for that piece. So that'd be cool. And then hopefully the idea will be to continue making more in the series. Each you know each episode yeah, kind of yeah. featuring a new kind of moral dilemma. Um, so yeah so that's really cool and then on the side I'm also kind of I'm still flying the flag high for 360 as I said I've got mm-hmm. uh, a couple of um 360 projects uh in development so there'll be more kind of like series like short form series rather than mm-hmm. just like one off so that'll be really interesting because again I think one thing that I haven't really seen yet um but I'm just dying to kind of you know C is kind of like, um, is like a comedy, but also like a kind of like comedy in the sense of I don't necessarily want to always be kind of, uh, hit on the head every time with like a really, you know, deep or dramatic action or horror Mm -hmm. kind of experience. Sometimes, like, I'm kind of in, I'm interested to explore can you do kind of the more. Relationship driven stuff, hence, mm-hmm. obviously, Key Light being quite character driven. And um, so, I'm working a project called Lily, which is basically a, a branching narrative comedy where you are in the shoes of a dead twin (laughs) and it sounds a bit darker than it is but (laughs) it's it's you kind of you're kind of in the head of the kind of uh the dead twin watching your identical twin kind of move on with her life and Mm -hmm. also trying to kind of a come to terms with the fact that you know how how kind of how you fit into the world now that you're mm. dead and a ghost because I think like come on like someone's got to do a ghost thing in 360 like yeah, yeah. just begging to be done <laughs> and, and,
0: and that's that's a scenario that easily lends itself to comedy
1: <laughs> exactly With,
0: without a doubt
1: absolutely you can pick <laughs> out the shenanigans that's gonna go <laughs> But I think, you know, as well, I think, uh, you know, for 360 filmmakers in general, I'm really into this idea of leaning into your limitations. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, um, you know, should you move the camera? Should you cut around? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, do or, you know, what are you trying to kind of if you can't uh, get your audience, if your audience member can't kind of be in complete control of of the narrative and what's going on, then. And then how can you lean into that? How can you make them feel like they have agency without right. them necessarily having it? So with that character, for example, um, the way I'm writing it is that, um, we the audience are this kind of, kind of silent intruder in her brain so it's like she is talking to us in mm-hmm. voice over as if you know and she thinks that we're some kind of god like debating whether or not she mm. deserves to like move on or, or you know that's not necessarily addressed but giving you this sense of like you know the whole idea of like invading someone else's head and kind mm. of also giving you a reason for not being in control you know so mm. when the camera moves it's because she's in control and we know yeah. that and we have to kind of trust that character Um, there's another series that I'm working on um, with a good friend uh, which is kind of this idea of like being stuck you know what can you do around this idea of being stuck because again you know if you're not going to move the camera if you want it to be as kind of if you want to give your audience member a motivation to feel like you know yes this is worth being in a headset for this is kind of you know this makes sense to me why I'm kind of sat still or moving or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. um a really obvious one is you know to have your character be stuck somewhere you know and build the storyline <laughs> around that yeah, yeah. and again it's kind of building in that kind of those limitations into the story which is what what I think at the moment we need to do whilst the tech is is really kind of primitive but um mm. so yeah so kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum really because you know I'm looking into and kind of working on projects that are more interactive and mm-hmm. and thought-provoking and kind of giving the audience as much agency as possible but then I'm also looking into how do we do just good fun entertainment entertaining content that is just like like just fun to watch but there mm. is you know a reason that you don't necessarily have agency
0: yeah so is it, is it just those types of projects that you're working on at the moment or are you doing any like brand stuff as well or
1: yeah I'm doing you know I'm, I'm kind of continue paying the majority of the bills with them um, <laughs> with branded stuff so again it's a lot of at the moment I think you know it's interesting because even just in the short space of time that I've been doing it um can definitely see that we're hitting you know we had like a really great year last year you know all you know loads of brands were spending loads of money and then they realized that they didn't really have a plan for 360 they didn't actually mm. know why they were using out you know I've turned down clients because I've said look I, you know i, I think what you're trying to do is great but this is not this is not suitable for 360 like you could just mm. do this as a normal film and I feel like it would be as impactful so yeah. I feel like people are still sussing out what you know what they should be doing with the medium and how to use it properly so this year I've definitely noticed a bit of a drop-off probably not so much for the bigger companies obviously mm. but for the small independents like myself um mm. you know more uh, more kind of internal training and kind of things that definitely give a, like a guaranteed value to a company. Those are yeah, the kind yeah. of contracts that I'm doing. So yeah, a lot of kind of like internal training stuff and um, like market research and things like that. And then also another one of my big projects that I kind of um, do through my uh, production company is uh, this hospice VR project, which mm-hmm. um, is something I got involved with kind of accidentally because A local uh, hospice near to where I grew up um, basically got in touch because they kind of heard uh, through a contact of mine that I was doing VR and they were like, we're really interested in this. We think it might have a really interesting application in healthcare and, you know, it'd be great, you know, for our patients who are kind of bed bound to be able Mm. to, you know, go to the park or go to the beach like in just you know a bit of kind of distraction and, mm. and therapy yeah. kind of therapeutic experiences so um so we ended up filming um at the local park over christmas uh near to where i grew up which was you know beautiful like kind of walk down memory lane Mm. um and that ended up kind of getting quite a bit of press attention because it you know it really did make a big impact on the patients that watched it and the hospice then decided to go ahead and make it a kind of a full-on effort to kind of bring this project fully to uh, fruition so Mm -hmm. so I kind of lead um that project which is basically at the moment we've got an app that makes it really easy to use because i don't know anyone that's listening that has ever tried to put a headset on someone else <laughs> knows the pain yeah uh, knows the pain of <laughs> what are you looking at what can you see oh okay tap this okay no what can you see now oh no okay back we need to go back um do you want to just take off for a second let me just get me <laughs> menu. oh no I've swiped onto a different video there yeah. <laughs> so,
0: I, I introduced it to my friend the other week and yeah it's it's, it's hard work It is. You get all excited. You think, oh, I I can't wait to show you this. You're going to love it. And then like within the first couple of minutes, you think, oh, I wish I never bothered.
1: Well, and it's so it's so um, important as well. And and especially like in a festival environment, for example, Mm. you know, you've really got you've got to set the kind of the tone when someone goes into vr you don't want especially for something like the hospice um work where it's like the whole point of it is for them to be relaxed and, and yeah, yeah. therapy so to have like a real stressful kind of panic at you know not knowing how to work it and having that whole debacle at the beginning that really can affect someone's experience like mm. i've you know we've had kind of like people just not really enjoy it after you know having a bit yeah and it just it kind of just sets the wrong tone doesn't it so mm-hmm. so we basically my um my older brother happens to be um uh a developer uh coder kind of person oh. you know techie person <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh and so uh so we partnered together to basically build this easy to use app for right. for the hospice um so that you know things like they could put it straight on and then they could just look at the film they wanted and it would automatically trigger it to play. You know, just mm-hmm. keep it super yeah, simple. Yeah. Created like a little remote control for it so that the person... Because again, the problem with mobile-based VR is, you know, if you screen share, it just lags the screen so badly. Mm. So um, so yeah, create a little remote control and everything. But um, uh, I've forgotten what... Oh yeah, so that, so that project is, is kind of near and dear to my heart. And so we're mm. kind of... We're rolling that out to... Uh, hospices nationally now so there's i think oh, we've okay. got three or four on board uh, and again that's that's like loros the hospice that i oh, initially worked with it's them kind of spearheading it um and we've done three ex well two experiences we're about to do the third which will be part of kind of um heritage houses and kind mm-hmm. of stately homes and that kind of stuff yeah. stuff that people you know people want to nosy around big mansions that's uh
0: i know i do <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah that's for sure yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> until i can get my own yeah yeah I'll just have a look around other people's
1: absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> take notes just take a few pinterest in, in five <laughs> shots of your own
0: oh no that's that's awesome
1: yeah so yeah, those are really kind cool. of those are the things at the moment but i mean i know it's like uncouth for me to like ask you questions because you're the interviewer but i really i'd love to know you know what you're up to what projects what projects have you can i been toying with what about 360 gets you excited
0: well funnily enough i well at some point in the next couple of months i'm going to begin it, uh, uh, i'll start again i'm going to be going traveling for a little bit nice then i was going to shoot a lot of uh stock footage while i'm out there um because oh, it seems to be like travel stuff mm-hmm. is the um is the stuff that sells people want, like, you know, to put on a headset and be at the beach, yeah,
1: um, yeah, escapism. Like, if, yeah, I'm, yeah. if I'm in my office, you know, in little old Leicester, I'd love to put on a headset and be in the mall, yeah. office, like <laughs> exactly. Um,
0: yeah. so yeah, so I'm going over to uh, Southeast Asia, um, and do like Thailand, Cambodia, and Vietnam.
1: Oh you get some um, from that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Forming so party like experience. <laughs> oh, I don't I, I I I I did that about twelve years ago, maybe now. Yeah. It was a long time ago. That was a long night.
1: <laughs> Round two. Round two. I don't
0: I I don't think my body could handle it. <laughs> now. Um, I mean it, stairs are a struggle
1: it's a real shame isn't it where you kind of I feel like you pass 26 and then you go oh crap like I can't handle this staying up late and partying anymore maybe oh. that's just me but like I'm, I'm heading well towards 30 and going on 50 I feel
0: <laughs> wait wait until you hit 37 oh, yeah, yeah all goes, all goes downhill then because yeah. then you're like the next big one's 40 I don't yeah. like that one
1: that's well, you will be a well-seasoned, travelling kind of hippie by then, so you won't feel like you've, you know, done the... Let's
0: let's hope the so. so. I, I, I like the term well-seasoned.
1: Yeah. So, yeah,
0: <laughs> I'll go with that. That that sounds good. And also, I wanted to do um, like a sort of travel docuseries
1: mm-hmm.
0: as well. Oh, um, that's great. While I'm out there. But it, I was sort of talking with how I wanted to do it because I didn't want to... I didn't want to sort of do it as like a a standard sort of travel series and the things that like everyone else, you know, does. and I think my sensibilities and the stuff that I kind of work on always fuse humour into it. Yeah. Um
1: I get that sense. <laughs> no, really? Oh
0: really? Yeah. I thought okay, it's a well hidden.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm a serious guy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um so yeah, and I like I like stuff like um did you ever see the uh the travel series asian provocateur with, no um, i don't think so with ramesh ranganathan do you know do you no know but i
1: love yes yeah. yes yes Indian. Um, yeah yeah yes.
0: you need to watch that it's just it's just brilliant is it
1: as good you as just... idiot abroad because that is all time <laughs> yeah
0: yeah Amazing. So that's that's the sort of thing i like where i just i, I want to go and have these experiences
1: like Do you know what? Really... I think there's like I think there is a huge market for that because I think the the problem with travel series as they as they stand is they're either really kind of like high concept, you know, beautiful, yeah. like there's this big kind of spiritual like you know the point to the journey, or they're you know seeing it through the eyes of an expert in a particular thing. So whether yeah. it's like you know people going around eating stuff or like yeah, you know yeah. learning about the culture, and it it's kind of it's great but it only appeals to a very certain demographic whereas i feel like the reason why things like idiot abroad and i'm assuming agent uh Mm provocateur work is because because it's so accessible because it's like most people haven't been to you know the far reaches of tibet you know (laughs) so you know seeing that through the eyes of someone that you really relate to um and you know who's just there to kind of you know i'm just not sure what i'm doing i'm just here yeah. throwing myself into it there's something so relatable about that yeah. so yes have you, have you
0: heard of uh daniel berry he's in the uh vr community
1: daniel berry um, he's mm, of he's
0: done a travel series called chasing the world um but it's not ah. out yet but um he's he's going to be on the the podcast next week
1: amazing
0: so I spoke to him. You're gonna he, grill him. <laughs> well, he he sent me the download links for for all the episodes. Oh wow! For me to watch. And how? Uh, was it? Which was which was incredible because you know obviously it's not out yet and stuff. Yeah. So you'll just be able to see it in advance. Um, and watching it is, I mean, it's fantastic. Um yeah. And I think he, I think there's four episodes and he covers uh, Myanmar, uh, Morocco, the Philippines, and Nepal.
1: Oh, wow.
0: But it's just like the, Myanmar, He's the, I mean, it, it starts off with him in a hot air balloon
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you're just sort of flying over these temples and ruins and stuff. And it's just, it's incredible. But then um, he just gets on the train and goes to, to go to um, somewhere else, I can't remember where now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he just gets chatting to this monk that's sitting opposite him on the train. <laughs> and the monk just like to, says to him, oh, you know, tell you what, come with me and I'll show you all the, all the stuff that, you know, tourists don't get to see. Oh, wow. And it's just, it's really incredible. And it's it's stuff like that, you know, yeah. that I, that I want to experience. And I like, uh, I want to sort of do the, you know, check out some of the standard touristy stuff, but yeah. I'm more interested in, in the stuff that, that, that people don't see. But, um, Definitely. The way he does it, it's... it's, And I think that's that's kind of what pushed me more to think, right, maybe take a humorous take on it instead, because what he's done is so so lovely and, and beautiful to watch in in his narration as well it's just i i don't think i could pull it off
1: <laughs> you've got um, to be like you've got to be so sure of like your shit if you're going to go yeah, down the route yeah. of like and here we are in you know david attenborough style mm, like mm. and here we observe the people of Myanmar. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, not that i'm implying that that's what his voice sounds like
0: but, um, but hey it's a compliment
1: if it's anywhere yeah. near David Attenborough oh, level
0: <laughs> absolutely but um but yeah no his his was incredible and I think oh, I just I I wouldn't want to do something similar to that because well a, I mean you know he he's done it now and I wouldn't want to uh try and sort of go out and do something similar but mm. and not only that but I'd want to have my own stamp on it anyway and, and that that to me is what would what would make sense I'd like I'd like there to be some sort of comedic undertones and, that. and not only that but then I think if I'm if I'm sort of you know taken to this village in the middle of nowhere and I'm forced to eat you know I don't know some something or someone's yeah. testicle yeah <laughs> like so, I, some
2: living person yeah who,
1: testicle. who knows that will have been a turn who
0: knows who knows where I ended up there's like I'm, I'm there there's like some boiling water in a cauldron and like a head floating in it it's just like we're just <laughs> and you're
1: like it's for the series. (laughs) yeah
0: we just bowled up our uncle oh god (laughs) is this this the normal
2: yeah (laughs) um
0: but yeah it's just like just just to be sort of thrown in these situations that you know wouldn't necessarily sort of be
1: what would be so nice about that is is um is the fact that you know southeast asia is kind of at that place now where it's very like it gets a bad rep for you Mm. know it's where kind of the the kind of the gap you uh (laughs) and and so actually seeing it from the point of view of like you know the whole point is to like find these kind of off the beaten track type Mm. things and do you know what i mean going out there being like you know it's kind of become very commercialized these places because they so on tourism so to actually have this experience trying you know kind of trying to go down um that let's see what happens kind of Mm. low path will be really interesting to watch especially if you end up eating someone's (laughs) (laughs) testicle i'm rooting for it now i'm rooting for it Uh, uh,
0: if if it happens uh, you'll be the first to know
1: thank you (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but i'm I'm kind of hoping it doesn't
0: i'm kind of (laughs) hoping it doesn't if i'm honest um Uh, but but yeah i mean I, i think i think like something like that would be quite Quite cool, cause I've always, I've always valued experiences over anything else. Like I don't okay. think when I'm on my deathbed, whenever that is, I'm not gonna be looking back and thinking, oh, so glad I bought that bungalow that time. Yes, that's that's not exactly. really doing me any favors now. It's, but I I'm gonna know. be looking back and be like, I'm. Well, maybe not. I'm not probably not gonna be looking back fondly on eating a testicle. But I'll be looking back on that <laughs> you trip know. as a whole and be like, I'm so glad I did that.
1: Yeah. You oh, know. definitely. That's it. My, uh, um, one of my closest friends, she's uh she's a, just basically about to do that exact thing. You know, Mm. she's built up a big kind of stack of cash, uh, for the first time in her life. And she's kind of like, right, well, I can either settle down and put a deposit down on a house, or I can go blow this and pay myself a yearly wage to go Mm. and travel the goddamn world. And it's like, it's not even a question like, you know, you know, especially for kind of, for for my generation, the the kind of the, the, uh, the older millennial crowd, but millennials Mm. nonetheless, um, I feel like we have this kind of approach to experience and travel of like, you know what? We're probably not going to have like pensions by the time we're, you know, probably never going to be able to retire. Society is so fucked (laughs) and who knows what technology is going to enable i'm sure it will you know do a lot of good but Mm. i feel like it will also fundamentally change it already has fundamentally changed the way we live and and actually one thing that we do have you know for all the kind of you know the housing crisis and the you know the kind of unemployment crisis and all the stuff that's kind of happened since the last recession the one amazing thing that has happened to my generation is that we are the first generation to be able to afford long-haul air travel so we can go Mm. to all of these you know I remember um having a conversation because I'm quite a traveler like I've I've traveled a fair bit Mm. um since I graduated and you know every new place I go you know my kind of my grandma and even like my parents uh, my dad was a little bit more of a traveler so um so him not so much surprised but my grandma would be like oh you know can't can't believe you're going to China like that's you know back in my day you could you would go on a cruise from Dover over to France and that was your lot like, you yeah, yeah. so so I'm totally an advocate especially for like p- creative people because you know experience is the thing that fuels creativity and mm. it fuels your soul and a life well lived is going to just fuel that passion to like share your creativity mm. with the world and so i'm always kind of probably you know <laughs> to the distaste of some parents always encouraging students and kind of people thinking about going to uni or whatever they might be doing i'm always like go and get some life experience you know yeah, i yeah. i literally you know uh took a kind of i was kind of I was still doing like a, a media contract over in australia but one of the first things i did when i graduated was did a tv contract and then you know flew over to the other side of the world and i've just done yeah. that ever since and it's just it's always served me well so <laughs> so yes. i'm jealous of your adventures but uh but very excited for you
0: well let's let, i mean let's hope nothing goes wrong <laughs> it's it's funny like as soon as i i mentioned it to my mum, she just was like why why do you want to do that it's like, well, why wouldn't I want to do that? But she, she thinks one of two things will happen. Right. She's like, right, you're either gonna uh, come back with a tire wife,
1: yeah.
0: or you're gonna get yeah. murdered. Oh,
1: God. So, the two extremes. Yeah, I know.
0: But she, she keeps, like, Googling stuff about Thailand. She's fixated on Thailand for some reason. It's not the only place I'm going. But yeah. she's like, oh, I've just been Googling and I found this. And then she sort of sent me the link to this article about this um this, like, girl who's found, like, hanged. On this island. Oh God! Of course. Like it's like, I no, you found popular. that because that's what you was looking for. You were specifically yeah. looking for like things that go wrong and stuff. And it turns out this girl was like part of a cult or something. Anyway, oh, I'm, God. I'm not even joining a cult.
1: I'm not even I mean I might be tempted along the way See, but it depends it
0: depends like (laughs) what benefits if they've got any if there's any benefits that come with it then you know I might be tempted but at this point in time I'm not even thinking about it
1: well I feel like that's a very that's a very uh general kind of that's the general attitude of that generation the older generation is because Mm. again because because as well like they didn't we are so globalised. Like, yeah. I've got friends all over the world. Like, I've got, yeah. you know, friends that I speak to regularly. I probably speak to some people out... I speak to people out of the country more than I speak to people that I went to uni with who live, you yeah. know, kind of a couple of cities away from me. Yeah. I think we're so globalised that, you know, that, that generation kind of see the doom and gloom and just the news headlines of, you know, oh, it's another murder case or it's another, mm. you know, someone washed up ashore. Um, you know, those kind of things. Whereas I think yeah. we see it as this is just the norm like <laughs> this is just you know as in traveling and experiencing and like you know it's a bit like um I admittedly am a and a little bit of a nervous flyer but um mm. I kind of realized that I was only really scared of flying when I was just like obsessing over the news when there'd been a, na- new, uh, like a plane crash but then it's like yeah, yeah. when you like look at the mass and you look at all that kind of um you know, kind of work it backwards. And you're mm. like, you know, the reason why it becomes such a huge news phenomenon is because it never happens. <laughs> mm.
0: Mm. So. Um, it's weird. Like she, she got more, she, she's she got more worked up over that than like me going to Florida last April where I could just get shot.
1: Isn't that interesting? Isn't it's that weird, so isn't it? Interesting. Yeah. And,
0: and like... I, and I even went, I, I even went to like a um, gun range. Oh God. <laughs> when I was there.
1: You're inviting, uh, inviting and, the trouble. Well,
0: yeah, the, the the year before we went to one of the gun ranges and they were so like blase about it and didn't really sort of do any background checks or anything like that. And they didn't even like go <laughs> Are and tell us how to do no? it. Okay, you're good. Like,
1: yeah, so
0: you could just like, oh no, 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 never, yeah, never had a dark thought in my life. <laughs> okay, fine, cool. Off you go. Um, but they didn't even like sort of show us how to use it they just said oh if you have any problem come out and give us a oh shout. my god like, oh, w- so you know, we in.
1: wonder why america has a problem with like yeah. gun violence
0: <laughs> but um so i was like oh, um I'll, I'll quite happily set this one out then actually because this is this is too weird mm. um but then i went last year because i thought right i'm i'm gonna do yeah. it because i kind of re- regretted not because again i you know it's about having these experiences yeah and stuff and then i sat that one out so i thought right i'm gonna do it this yeah. time and uh we went to a different one and it was a lot better but we pulled up and there was a fire engine outside good sign right yeah exactly so i thought right okay well maybe there's a fire and then we can get out of it brilliant i can make an is. excuse yeah so we walked in there's i can't see any sign of it, every, anything it's, It all seems fine everyone's perfectly calm I'm like okay uh, it must have been going Gutted,
2: gutted. Okay. There's no
1: blazing right, fire.
0: <laughs> so then, uh, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's a shame there's nobody running for their <laughs> life. Damn yeah. it. Now I have to go through with it.
1: Someone's made a um, nice little 360 stock clip. dark. doubt.
0: But yeah, as we was like filling out um, these application forms on these iPads, these um, uh, two firemen walked past oh. and my brother-in-law just tapped me and he's like, look, and I was like, oh, no. What's happening, I was thinking like they, and that, and you can see they've gone into the back. and I'm thinking, Oh, someone's accidentally shot himself. Yeah. And I think if that's if anyone's gonna likely to do that, it's gonna be me God. like, I'm gonna be the next person who accidentally shoots himself yeah. in like the foot or in the neck or something like that. So I was getting like, I was getting really sort of quite panicky at that point. I was thinking, Oh no, I'm gonna mess something up. <laughs> um, and then as as this guy was taking it, taking us through everything, I overheard one of the other guys that wept there said, Oh, uh, like talking to. Uh, Someone else had just come in and said, oh, yeah, apparently, um, yeah, apparently there's a guy out out there on the range and stuff. And his uh, his pacemaker just went funny or stopped working. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. But in my head, that's that's, all I heard was someone didn't shoot himself. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: And without even thinking, just out out came, oh, thank God. (laughs)
1: always the just correct looked response to me. <laughs> yeah guys just look at like, me mm, and then uh, I just you like, said you oh. weren't a psycho we are now
0: so like, <laughs> like, I have to explain this now <laughs> so I was, had to explain this like look I was worried and I thought somebody shot themselves and I thought I was going to do the same thing <laughs> but it says that like, they haven't and I got a little bit overexcited about it but I'm glad to hear that okay.
1: <laughs> that is so funny <laughs> I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall of you trying to talk yourself out of that that is pure comedy gold it's, oh, it is but it
0: the
1: awkward. thing sorry the thing that i found about um about these things like the kind of the negative instances right is Mm. is i once had this thought of you must like in general if you're scared of something that is like really rare you must be think that you're kind of like something special because that's what i thought i was like mm. i th- you think that i'm going to be in a plane crash do i think i'm that special to be what i mean that's awful i don't mean that's come out obviously mm. not yeah, suggesting yeah. that you're special like to be in such a tragic situation but you know yeah, the yeah. odds of it are so so small mm. you mm. know it's kind of like and if you don't believe you're going to win the lottery, why would you believe that something yeah. that?
0: But you get into that mindset of think it's going to happen to anyone. Yeah. it's going to happen to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: It's
0: it's. It I can't weird.
1: remember where how how we uh how we ended up here talking about uh. Neither do I. Fears. Neither do I. But it's great. I, I kind of like yeah. it.
0: <laughs> I kind of like that we've sort of gone on this. We've gone on this.
1: We're setting the tone here. Somewhat entertaining <laughs> tangent. <laughs> VR side chat. It could get <laughs> yeah. <possible.
0: laughs> yeah, I might as well just push those those two aside and just keep them separate as those yeah. side chats. Oh, and a, with a bit of VR thrown in.
1: Yeah, layering the VR moving. crowd, and then it just ends up being like it could just a complete tangent. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh,
0: okay, well, moving moving back to the topic yeah. briefly. Um, Aside from key to like, what's your favorite piece of content out at the moment?
1: Hmm, very good question. Why, thank you. <laughs> I Googled it myself. Fat. What questions <laughs> to ask on a VR podcast? Um... It's a really good question because I I do try and make a point of watching as much content as possible just to kind of, I think that's the best way of of learning, um, especially like with it being such a new medium, learning what doesn't and does work. it's Mm -hmm. kind of it doesn't necessarily have to be you going out with the camera you can watch other people's work and say you know oh I really enjoyed this part of that and so I'm going to try that in my next piece or or you know oh I really didn't like how that felt um etc etc so um I'm trying off the off the top of my head the 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 main the experience that has always stuck with me and it's it's such a cop-out answer because I feel like most people will go to this one. But it's a classic Felix and Paul um, experience, and it's it's the um, Dreams of O. That was one of the first experiences that I watched when I got my own um, headset at the Gear VR. And I just remember, because obviously they have, because they've got their own proprietary cameras and they like they obviously release their own app so everything's encoded really beautifully Mm -hmm. it was the first experience that i watched and i was like a holy shit like from a kind of producer point of view the 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 quality of this video is amazing Mm. considering it's still you know it's still 4k but it looks so much more sharp and just beautiful um and the other thing was even though it wasn't you know scripted or a narrative piece which is the stuff i'm more drawn to um those moments where, I don't know whether you, have you seen it? No, not yet. Okay, absolutely. For, I know of it. Yeah, now. for anyone listening, definitely check it out if you haven't, because there's a lot of kind of, you know, e- stuff is happening all around you, but there's kind of these really poignant moments where characters get a little bit too close to you, and obviously they shoot stuff in stereoscopic, so it feels extra mm. realistic. And I won't spoil it, but there's this bit where a character kind of, you know, it is a little bit of like, it's not intentionally like a jump scare, but it absolutely had that effect on me. And I was like, wow, you know, just, and it was so strange because this character, you know, no one talks a piece. It's obviously, it's all Mm -hmm. very kind of, it's all a move. It's all about movement, very Cirque du Soleil kind of creepy ass choreography. Um, But that moment of kind of, kind of, I, it was just so weird this character looking into your eyes for a little bit too long and it kind of made me want to look away but it mm. kind of that experience was so powerful and it just really stuck with me and it was one of the first experiences as well where I actually had like a physical reaction as in I felt like the character was too close so I actually tried to move my head like a weight like if it was <laughs> a sixth off experience I would have yeah. absolutely tried to pull away from him because because you know he was he was just a bit too close um so that is a really really amazing experience for um for storytelling i really liked um uh, Q- uh cupid by nick bitchnich mm-hmm. uh yep. from revolver labs like i thought that now i i am one of these people where i am still a little bit i feel like the experience of moving a camera in 360 absolutely is a very different one to being static and i know that mm-hmm. you know kind of like the debate around whether you should or shouldn't is is rife in the 360 community yes. i feel like um again it comes back to the whole agency thing like if you're not if i'm not a character and i don't have like a reason to be moving then i find it very difficult to like suspend disbelief so i you know mm-hmm. i now feel like you're treating me like a camera you know rather than a kind of a person in this experience mm. whereas his piece was like the first one that I watched and the story was so good uh, and and the kind of you know even though it's so short I was so kind of engrossed in like what was actually happening and I was so intrigued Mm -hmm. by the actual plot that I didn't notice that I was kind of you know it was chopping around uh and Mm -hmm. editing and, and you know uh he he kind of told me himself that he edited it in a headset to make sure that people experiencing it you know didn't have motion sickness yeah. um so you know he's obviously thought about people uh seeing it in a headset as well but that was something i was not expecting because i yeah i'm kind of i'm one of these people that looks out for it so like for example um in Miubi, the other the kind of the uh, the felix and paul and funny or die uh, drama um where you're the toy robot again, like that feels really naturalistic to me and it's really in- easy to embody the character and get into the story because, you know, you know, there's a reason I'm this character and that, you know, I kind of like, I know my role in this piece, blah, blah, blah. Whereas mm. again, like I think, um, something more like, so, uh, Invisible, which is, uh, uh, thriller series on John. um, mm that was like one of the first kind of drama pieces that I ever saw like as in scripted drama uh, in VR and um, and I thought it was interesting but I thought it was you know again everything needs to be kind of tried and tested in this medium because it's so new but I definitely felt like I watched that and I was really inspired by it and I was like wow you know like drama like again that's really my bag is kind of that Mm. but then having seen more experiences since going back to that piece i'm like yeah you know i i don't feel presence i feel like i am kind of just in a film which is fine Mm. you know that might that's what kind of like some people go for um so yeah i would say i would say cupix and and dreams of o and i'm trying to think of something more recent because um those two are fairly oh u-turn is really great by um natalie Mathy, who um uh yes this
0: is this is fairly new isn't it
1: yes just got released yeah, on it, samsung yeah. um yeah yeah yes you should definitely definitely have her on the podcast she has you know she's super interesting creator with a really interesting background because she started off uh in the bigger Company. She was. She worked for John uh, as a post production supervisor, I believe, Um, and and now she's like an independent creator. And so U turn. That is. That is one of those experiences where it absolutely fully takes um, kind of takes on the medium you know it's a piece that absolutely could not have been done in any other way because uh, it's basically two halves of a story and you can choose which one you follow so if you're facing one way you're following the story of this um, young woman in a tech company and if you're facing the other way if you turn around you're following the journey of the ceo of that tech company um, pitching um, to like clients abroad and so it's the story about you know it's it's an interlinked story it's two sides of the yeah. same story. Um but one of those pieces that really forces you to kind of fully interact with the medium, but it's still scripted. Again, you'll notice the theme here. <laughs> um, <laughs> um so that is a really amazing piece and the, the you know, I know that the audio on that obviously to sync that all up and, and have it so that yeah. your own, you can you can kind of hear what's going on behind you so that it will intrigue you to turn, but at the same time it's not distracting from what's in front of you. Like super technically amazing and also mm. I thought really compelling in as far as story goes because obviously with the kind of um, – everything going on in hollywood at the moment and in general the kind of the me too movement and time's up and again coming back to that whole like need for representation and and diversity this kind of uh the story again i won't give it away too much but it's 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 about yeah. that kind of struggle of you know uh it's about a woman in the tech industry and and yeah. and how those gender roles play a kind of a part in that so yeah i definitely recommend that
0: oh, i look forward to checking it out
1: yes definitely do
0: Right, well, I think that kind of uh, wraps things up. But um, yeah, again, thank you for thank you for coming on. No, it's um, been
1: amazing. I love chatting about this. I could honestly, I could talk about it all day, every day. It's my favorite thing, as my friends will know, and they are sick of it. But
0: <laughs> oh, okay, let's 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 carry on for another <laughs> <two> hours. <then.
1: laughs> yeah, we actually good. <laughs> <can>. We're actually <laughs> good. But no, it's it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having Very me great. on. Um, I think what you're doing is awesome.
0: Thank you. Uh, so, where can people find you online?
1: So you can find this me. This is the
0: plug, plug, yes. plug away. Yes.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, so you can find me. I'm I'm fairly basic when it comes to social media. I'm uh, I'm trying to get better because um, I do a lot of work with uh, Ben Claremont, who is uh, you know the Life of Three Hundred and Sixty, mm-hmm. a huge social media um, guy. Yes, and...
0: I want to try and get him on at some point. Oh, I, I, think can he's hope be I can help. The Great White Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, he's. he's quite big at the
1: moment now yeah he, uh, he is
0: Had to sort of stand out in his dms yeah, yeah
1: well luckily for you i i i am his producer i do a lot of his brand work with him so um awesome. so yeah so uh so he's he's very sad that i haven't fully taken up the kind of social media baton but um yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so but anyway i'm trying to get better so you can follow me on instagram and twitter it's just alex makes vr so at alex makes vr super simple i'll give ben uh ben the dibs for that he was the one that i was like oh i can't have my actual name someone's already got alex rule i don't know what to do and he was like just have it as like something super practical that describes what you do so like Hmm. alex makes vr and uh so i was like that's brilliant i'm 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 running with it um so yeah so uh, alex makes vr on uh, twitter and facebook and then please check out key to like it would be you know i would I'd love to hear people's thoughts because, again, it's we're so early on in this medium. I think it's so important that the filmmakers and the, you know, the the people that are just interested in the medium, interested in getting into it, kind of, um, it's really important to kind of, you know, look at each other's work and kind of give feedback and and see what you can take away from that. And also, you know, just I'm one of these really open people that, you know, i'm happy to chat with anyone like anyone that's looking into kind of getting into the industry anyone that has any kind of like questions feel free to hit me up i'm always up for like you know kind of a, a quick chat uh if you've got any questions so yeah so key like you can find that um on jaunt so that's just on the jaunt app or you can go to jauntvr.com um yeah, I'll put links
0: better. to everything in the uh, in the podcast notes anyway as well.
1: The famous, the famous line from the podcast host. I'll put that in the description. Oh.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're naming
1: it, it, Dan. It felt it, it felt
0: it felt weird to say, but it also felt quite right. <laughs> it,
1: felt, it felt like my life was building to this moment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I'll still sleep well tonight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> thank you again so much. It's <laughs> been great to chat. No, it's thank you. Brilliant. Cheers.
0: Well, thanks again to Alex for taking the time out to chat with me. If you guys enjoyed it, then I'd be really grateful if you left a review on iTunes, as it really helps the podcast out a lot. To keep up to date with the latest episode releases online, go follow at VRSideChats on Facebook and Twitter. And just on the off chance, if you're interested in what I'm up to, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Daniel K. Hatton. Thanks again for listening, and I shall see you guys next week.